You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. We are pleased you've chosen to join us this week on Wealth Tech on Deck. We've been so fortunate to have nearly 100 guests on our show over the past two years from all walks of fintech and wealth tech, where we explore the confluence of digital and human advice. Today, we're going to look at it from the perspective of someone who has spent a lot of time, thought, and energy on venture capital, private equity, entrepreneurship, and plain old good old disruption. So our guest today is Dr. Vinay Nair. Vinay is the founder of and CEO of Tiffin, a fintech platform that drives personalization for wealth using AI and investment intelligence. Tiffin operates a collection of fully owned subsidiaries. We'll hear some more about that from Vinay in a moment. Those subsidiaries are in wealth and investments that are shaping the future of the investor experience and outcome, I would say. He is also founder and chairman of 55 IP, which was successfully sold to J.P. Morgan Chase. So, Vinay, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Great to be here, Jack. Thank you. So, Vinay, please share with our audience. I've read up on you a bit. You've got a fascinating background. It's uh, academic and then some. Uh, so share with us, if you will, your background and what led you to form Tiffin. Happy to. My background, Jack, was in academia. So I'm a recovering academic <laughs> that's found the way to wealth. I started my career teaching full-time at the Wharton School in the finance faculty. I taught courses on private equity, venture capital, entrepreneurial finance, taught a bit at MIT for a few years as well. The engineer in me, uh, which was my undergrad degree, had to build things, ended up down the entrepreneurial path as a result. My first foray into that was really running a quant hedge fund. And that quant hedge fund really gave us a window into allocators, which were RIAs, multifamily offices, which really made us realize that there's a significant gap in the type of solutions, sophisticated solutions that institutions get, and that gap between institutions and the retail world is pretty significant, which is really what got me into starting 55IP, and from 55IP to Tiffin, and we'll talk more about Tiffin, but that's been the journey that's uh, led me here. That's great. That's great. So tell us about Tiffin. I'm, I think I have a good idea. I've talked to some of your colleagues there, read up on you a bit, but from what I read and hear, it's a very dynamic, very exciting company, and you constructively seek to disrupt and help our industry move forward. So tell us about Tiffin, what you're excited about, what you're working on. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Tiffin. At a very high level, I think of Tiffin as an innovation platform for the industry. The industry meaning wealth, you know, wealth, investments, insurance, eventually things that an end individual worries about to get to a better financial place. Security, aspirationals, protection, all of that bundled up together. So Tiffin to me is really a platform that aims to bring together deep knowledge of emerging technologies, which is moving really fast and a deep knowledge of the industry. Together, create solutions, create products to help the incumbents move towards this future in a faster pace, more efficient pace. So at a very high level, it's really an innovation platform where what makes it exciting to me, and I think to the people here, is we believe we are really helping the future manifest at a faster pace. 
I think that these things are inevitable. Hopefully, Tiffin can make it happen sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, specifically, what this Tiffin started off really as a venture studio. And that really means that we started, founded or co-founded a collection of companies in the space. When I started Tiffin, I'd already started 55 IP. We had brought in a great CEO. I'd moved to the founder executive chairman role. And what stood out at that time to me was there were many point solutions in this industry. And 55IP was one point solution. Mm -hmm. And then there were platforms that really were built decades ago. And as a result, were encumbered, encumbered with tech debt. I'm sorry, Vinay, did you say tech debt? That's right. Explain. I, I love the expression, but explain. I think I know what you mean, but just to be clear for our audience. For most people who have actually tried to build a platform which uses technology, you know how difficult it is to refactor things and rewrite things and go back and disassemble things that have all been patched together to create what exists today. And mm -hmm. to do this while you have real clients and real customers, it's like switching from one running horse to another galloping horse. Yes, my expression is changing the oil while flying the plane. That's right, which, I mean, it's a real issue. This is why a clean sheet of paper is a massive advantage, especially in times of significant disruption yes. in technology. Mm -hmm. So I felt that Tiffin is sitting at a time and place, 2019, early 2019, where we could create many of these point solutions for the industry and be a platform of point solutions, if you will. Yes. That's how Tiffin started. I can walk you through more about the evolution, but just to give you... Let me dig in, and again, for our audience who are largely professionals that are dealing with just the sort of issues, I refer it in the, uh, the common language of uh, connecting the dots, taking the different point solutions and connecting them, coordinating them, which I, is beyond integration, at least in my definition. So talk a little bit about that. Maybe describe some of those point solutions and then maybe a little bit more about how you connect and coordinate those various capabilities. Absolutely. So we started in 19 and 20. We had about 10 companies in the studio model. So think of 19 and 20 as Tiffin's studio phase. Mm -hmm. End of 20, we ended up selling 55 IP to JP Morgan. And we also ended up spinning out one of our companies called Parallel Technologies, which is a modern fund administrator. Both were great outcomes. Obviously, 55 IP has been good for JP Morgan, good for the team, good for us. And Parallel Technologies today oversees about $6 billion in assets and administration, profitable, growing more than 100% per year. The remaining companies, we decided to coalesce or unify them to create three platforms. So today, Tiffin operates three platforms. One of them, perhaps the most relevant for your audience, Jack, is Tiffin Wealth, which is focused on wealth enterprises and advisors. The other two, one is focused on asset managers and helping them distribute in a more modern manner. And the third is a consumer-focused platform called Magnify, where think of this as GPT meets advice meets brokerage. You can answer very, very specific questions in a personalized way because you're regulated and you can trade on those or invest on those through the brokerage capability. So those are the three platforms we have today. We still have Tiffin Studios as a separate subsidiary, and we are launching our cohort two within Tiffin Studios as we speak. And tell me about that when you say you're launching your cohort. What does that mean? 
So these eight to 10 companies that we had started in 19 and 20 were really cohort one. And they've become a sale and a spinoff and three platforms. Mm-hmm. Cohort two, we are creating new businesses around themes, new themes. For example, insurance is an area that we think needs to get modernized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. AI assistance for the world of finance, where we have significant uh, knowledge base, we think could be an s- interesting area. So we're working with some of our partners in there. Combining health and wealth issues is an area where we think is um, a theme we care about. So these will all be new themes where we're going to launch new companies as part of Tiffin Studios Act 2, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And tell me a little bit about, if you to whatever you're comfortable in terms of with some more specificity, because I get the headline. What does that look like? Any examples maybe that are out in publicly available or people are utilizing that just to give a give people a frame of reference as to you know what this plays into it clearly you have a disruptive mindset you're looking to solve problems using ai it sounds like is a critical piece i'm sure it's all api driven so talk a little bit about how that plays out how that manifests into a product absolutely so the core asset the core edge the core value prop i think is really data and ai it's not mm-hmm. that that we bring is data and ai mm-hmm and we are not building things or don't think have the best expertise in the industry to build things for automation, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't do things that often sits between the advisor and the custodian within the wealth platform. Gotcha. Let's call all of that middle office, back office, auto- workflow automation. Mm-hmm. So, so typically, we don't do any of that stuff. Within Tiffin Wealth, as one of our divisions, our core mission is to help our clients, our wealth enterprise clients, increase their organic growth and to deliver the end users very personalized, engaging experiences. Mm-hmm. So there are a few different tools you can use to drive that organic growth, one of which is data science and signals, growth signals. Second is act on those growth signals through marketing uh, communication, personalized marketing communication. And the third is to convert those prospects with very personalized proposals. Mm -hmm. So the way today the wealth enterprises work with us is often they start with one of these three things. Uh, We have clients that use just data science or clients that just use the communication automation engines or clients that just use a personalized module, but they work best when they're speaking to each other. For example, we have clients today that have combined things so you, you use the data science capabilities to prioritize, let's say, a list of prospects you got on a webinar. Mm-hmm. And then you use the communication engines automatically to nurture them through maybe automated email campaigns. And let's say one of them wants to actually talk to you about their goals and risks and what matters to them. You can build a personalized investment proposal that brings all of these things together, not just a goal, not just a risk, not just the current portfolio. So that suite is really designed to drive growth. And the data is continuously flow. So there's real-time feedback loops, which improves the data science. Mm-hmm. And that would be one example of where we think the personalized proposals is really just add-on. The communication is just an add-on. The core value prop is the data and AI. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So let me see if I can summarize and make sure I'm, I'm hearing this accurately. So at least on a front-end experience, you can be used from a prospecting standpoint using available data, and it sounds like you refine it as you go. You get to understand what the uh, what a prospect looks like, what's, what's a likely candidate for purchase of whatever the service might be. Then you have communication that's geared toward that the people that are looking for what what's being offered. And then you follow up with a proposal. Is that accurate? That is. And what happens after that? Do you get into then make recommendations and follow through in terms of implementation or do you turn that over to someone else? So we have integrations with different platforms and that's when it flows into there. I think we also have the ability to, you know, so we're connected to the custodians and we have the ability to do some rebalancing. But our goal is really to hand that over through integrations as much as possible. Interesting. Another example that caught my attention is a topic I think that's just so underplayed. Sounds like you're working on it or have developed something around health and wealth. I think such an integral part of the wealth equation is someone's health and their longevity and their just what they have to do deal with in terms of cost and all the rest of that. Explain what you do there. That sounds intriguing because there's not a lot out there on that topic. Yeah, Jack, I think it's early days for us, but precisely because of the gap between, I think, the need and the supply is why we are picking that as a theme within Tiffin sure. Studios. Yep, yep. I've personally invested in some startups that are doing some interesting things. You know, one I'd do a shout out for is a firm called Ness, where they've launched a credit card where all the rewards and benefits are in the wellness space. It's a clever little idea. I yep, think they're, yep. they're, they're doing well. But I think overall, whether it's young or the older generation, I think everyone cares about either proactive or reactive mm -hmm. health management, mm -hmm. which is obviously a big part of your finances, but also mm -hmm. a big part of wellness. And we think of wellness today as not financial wellness and, and non-financial wellness. We think of wellness as one coherent concept. And we see a future of this industry really catering to that concept more holistically. So explain that. I, I think I know what you mean. So it's not just financial wellness or personal health wellness, but it's that it's that combination. Is that am I hearing that right? That's right. Let's take the example in the context of the workplace. And I think it might be more helpful for the listeners to connect it there. So mm -hmm. we are building a platform of really actionable personalized recommendations that brings together all the employee benefits that someone has. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. You could start with saying, hey, I want an emergency savings account, a health savings account, student loan payment assistance module. I want something that improves my credit rating. Of course, I want the 401k plan and, and the right retirement in there. Sure. But around that, there are many things that are, let's call it, out of plan. And today, our industry hasn't done a good job of bringing all of this together for that employee and guide them through when you do what based on your preferences, your life, your, your health situation, and other things. Yes. So we have put together an actionable platform where you can guide someone through this. And the key thing is actionable because if I say, hey, do you have money saved for the next year or two years in case something happens and the answer is no, and you say your employer is willing to add 10% of your savings, Click here, get going, open an ESA. That ability today often is very modular. Again, if you see the industry, you'll find as wellness platforms that is just content. 
it's not really actionable or personalized. Yes. Then you see some point solutions, fintech companies that have struggled historically trying to sell into the space. So we brought it all together and we recently signed a deal with Morgan Stanley at work as an example of taking one of these things to their corporate clients. Yes. We believe that at the end of the day, this will help both the wealth enterprise in getting leads from the workplace and the end user in a better outcome, which is exactly the two things we think about when we build solutions. So it's interesting. I've, I've written and talked and I've made the case that the future of wealth management resides in workplace retirement. This is leading to a question. What do you think about this? I have a hunch I know the answer, but I'd love to hear your comments. But the point is that everything started on the wealth management side. There's a lot of activity. We too are at Morgan Stanley on the wealth side. We're also working with them on the retirement side or the workplace side. But it's all coming together. This is convergence of wealth and, and workplace. So talk about that, because it sounds like you're building tools for that to basically connect those dots between whether they wherever they start. And that's all part of the very publicly stated Morgan Stanley strategy. Wherever you start, whether it's E-Trade or it's through your Empower relationship or your Bestwell relationship, parametric relationship for that matter, it'll all lead back to how you pull things together and take a more holistic view. So I'd probably singing your song with what I'm just saying, but please comment if you would about where you see this going. Where is it now? And where do you see it going from here? Very aligned with that view, Jack, as you're probably not surprised I am. But if you think about why did we create a consumer platform, a wealth platform, and we're working on this workplace platform. Because at the end of the day, these are the three places people have their money. They have their money in a self-directed account. They have their money with an advised account. They have their money in a workplace account. And we think in the future, it's the same individual. These are not three different individuals. You know, Historically, we've thought about our world as self-directed, advised, but it's the same individual that we think will have some money in a brokerage account, some money with an advisor, and of course, some money in the workplace. Sure. So first, for us, this was really about how do we provide the technology, the intelligence, the personalization that is needed in these three platforms to touch this individual. So we don't have advisors of our own. We don't have products of our own. So we felt we could do this in a way which supports the industry modernize in these three venues. Of these three venues, when you think about which venue is the most ignored, it's the workplace. And sure, there are many brokerage accounts with interesting experiences. We think, you know, there's problems because most of it is focused on access, not on knowledge. That's where Magnify comes in. There are many wealth tech platforms. We think that most of them are focused on middle office, back office, and and um, advisor workflows. So that's where we come in and trying to help mm -hmm. the data science and the engagement side. But workplace, I mean, there is not much there. It's a wide open space. And most wealth enterprises that will benefit from them, not the Morgan Stanleys, they are too big, but most wealth enterprises that get leads from there just have no capability to build platforms like this. And so they end up doing small things which are, you know, not very effective. And we think the lead generation from the workplace is a huge opportunity that really will go to smaller wealth enterprises. And they lack some of these capabilities to connect the dots, right? So, so broadly, very bullish on that space, especially for the 
non Morgan Stanleys and non empowers and the non JPMs, sure. if you will. Yeah. You've raised at least a dozen issues I'd love to pursue, but we try to keep our show to a half an hour. So I'm going to ask one more question before we uh, we close up. We probably are going to go a little over, but this is fascinating. You mentioned opportunity in the annuity and insurance space. Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are there. That area has been really a discovery for us as we've been building TIF in the last four years. The From the consumer side, you find a massive demand from the consumers that they want their advisors to help with insurance choices. On the advisor side, there is clearly a lack of number of advisors who provide that help is very little, less than 5% based on some metrics. So we know that protection is important for the individual, not just you know, investment to get to a goal. And in fact, protection helps the aspirational side. We know that the advisor has various constraints that prevent them from doing a good job on that. So at the same time, when you look at the insurance providers and their distribution strategy, we know they want to get more direct to consumer and they have to make their agent-based distribution more efficient. So when you put these three dots together, it's very similar to how the asset management industry was. Think ETS, yes. mutual funds, yes. perhaps you know two decades ago or, or a decade ago. So we think the evolution of what has happened there and where Tiffin has played a role for asset manager, wealth manager, and investor connectivity, we can also help with the insurance products, agents, and the end investor connectivity. I think you have a tiger by the tail, my friend, Dr. Nair. This is uh, good stuff. I have a million more questions, but respecting our time constraint, let me just ask you a quick question, which you've sort of laid out, but where do you see the world going? Like, I assume it's more of the same and pretty well broken down as you've shared, but please, anything that you'd like to add in terms of the clarity of your message so far? I mean, I see the world is already in the middle of a fascinating phase of innovation. I mean, mm -hmm. GPT is part of our cultural phenomena now. There are, Yeah, yeah that was you know, quick, wasn't six, it? <laughs> amazing. Six <laughs> months ago, no one knew what exactly. GPT meant, right? <laughs> you did, I'm sure. So, the... <laughs> it's to me, I think we are at a very exciting phase of innovation. Sometimes that's difficult to see when you look outside and banks are burning up and, you know, rates are going up. Yeah. But uh, it's exciting times to do. And I think a lot of what we're talking about at the end of the day will be a human AI collaborative experience. Couldn't agree with you more. As we do about this time of the show, what are three key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience based on our conversation so far? Based on everything we've been talking about, Jack, I'll leave your audience with two things, actually, not even three, to keep it more succinct. <laughs> the first is, as we've been saying, I think we're in a fascinating phase of innovation. And if you're running a business, it's sometimes tough to allocate capital to innovation, especially in moments when you feel like you have to survive. But that's a little bit like cutting down on internet spending in 2001 if you want to build a longer-term business. So I think that the ability to reallocate to innovation from other things, I think, is going to be a key differentiator of firms that thrive and firms that don't. We have this very unique phase where I don't think we have seen phases which have been both economically difficult and innovation-oriented at the same time. So it's probably the first time we are seeing something like this in a long time uh, for our industry. I would almost say innovation-dependent. In other words, to compete, you've got to innovate. 
we see it happening and there, there's a lot of craziness going on all around us. But just based on what you're saying, I know what we experience. Uh, at least the leaders get that you got to innovate and the others are catching on. They got to catch up quick. Exactly. And that leads to the second point, which is how do you do that fast and how do you do that cost efficiently? And I believe the answer is large firms cannot do it fast and cost efficiently in-house. You know, I've spent quite a bit of time with some of them, and I think they're just not set up to experiment at low cost, high iteration speed. And that's where I feel that you need innovation partners, whether it's Tiffin or someone else, but I feel that you need to have a partner which is really a different talent pool, a different mindset, a different cost of failure. And can you produce something in six months, which actually works? Can you produce something with less than a few million dollars that actually works? The days of a three-year plan and a five-year plan are gone. So I would say in thinking through how you want to bring an innovation into your business, you actually almost have to think outside your business to form the right linkages and partnerships. I could not agree with you more. We spend at Lifefield, we spend as much time consulting, in quotes, as we do in building because there's a lot of education. They know they want, need to, are highly desirous of innovating and they don't know where to start and they don't know who knows it. And it generally, as I'm sure you find, doesn't reside within a large organization. Absolutely. Well, this has been fascinating and would love to keep going. And maybe we'll do this after our, our recording is done. We'll chat a little further. This has been uh, wonderful today. So uh, as we always do at the end of our show, we've had a wonderful conversation. I'm always interested in more of the personal side as well as what you do day to day. So what is something you do outside of work that you're particularly excited or passionate about that people might find interesting or surprising? <laughs> I don't know about interesting or surprising, but... Two things, maybe. One is, you know, I have three young kids and I find the weekends very exciting. I look Great. forward to the time with them. As we all know, that's limited. And they're 10, 8, 6. It's energizing in a way that I think very few things are. So I would okay. first point that out. Yeah. The second is I started on a journey about 10 years ago now, which at a very high level, let's call it spiritual. So... I have been getting deeper and deeper into that with meditations Great. and solo nature retreats. Being in Colorado, Boulder is a fascinating place for that. There's a place near us called Crestone, uh, where often I've taken a team. We do solo two or three day retreats where we stay in a confined area, no food, you know, nothing to distract you, no reading, no writing, no electronics. And it's very clarifying when you come out of it. So it's a journey which I think is, is something that I hope to get deeper into. Great. Well, that is both fascinating and surprising. That's uh, wonderful. Thank you. So for our conversation today, Vinay, thank you. This has been wonderful. We're, I think we may have to have you back. There's much more to talk about. And for our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, Vinay. It's been a total blast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
you can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com. Thank you.